Job chapter 30. Here, for this is the word of the Lord. But now they laugh at me, men who are younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to set with the dogs of my flock. What could I gain from the strength of their hands, men whose vigor is gone? Through want and hard hunger, they gnaw the dry ground by night in waste and desolation. They pick saltwort and the leaves of bushes and the roots of the broom tree for their food. They are driven out from human company. They shout after them as after a thief. In the gullies of the torrents, they must dwell in holes of the earth and of the rocks. Among the bushes, they bray. Under the nettles, they huddle together. A senseless and nameless brood, they have whipped out of the land. And now I have become their song. I am a byword to them. They abhor me. They keep aloof from me. They do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. Because God has loosed my cord and humbled me. They have cast off restraint in my presence. On my right hand the rabble rise. They push away my feet. They cast up against me their ways of destruction. They break up my path. They promote my calamity. They need no one to help them. As through a wide breach... They come, amid the crash they roll on. Terrors are turned upon me. My honor is pursued as by the wind. And my prosperity has passed away like a cloud. And now my soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones. And the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. With great force my garment is disfigured. It binds me about like the collar of my tunic. God has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. You lift me up on the wind. You make me ride on it. And you toss me about in the roar of the storm. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all the living. Yet does not one in a heap of ruins stretch out his hand, and in his disaster cry for help? Did I not weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. I go about darkened, but not by the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry for help. I am a brother of jackals. I am a companion of ostriches. My skin turns black and falls from me, and my bones burn with heat. My lyre is turned to mourning, and my pipe to the voice of those who weep. When man was... Originally created, he was created upright. God crowned man with glory and honor. God walked with man in the Garden of Eden and he was blessed in a loving fellowship with God. Man was blessed with everything he could ask for. So the moment that man fell into sin, man suffered much loss. 
He lost everything that was most important to him. He was stripped of his dignity. The image of God in him was marred. But most importantly, he was no longer in a loving fellowship with God. And so he lost eternal life and glory with God. And on top of that, not only would man become the cause of sin, but he would also at times unjustly be the victim of sin. And this is a description of what it means to be under the judgment of God. This is what Job laments in our text this morning. In his final speech, which is made up of chapters 29, 30, and 31, chapter 29 was his longings as he longed for his former dignity. Chapter 30 is his lament as he laments his present condition. And chapter 31, which is the next chapter, is his final protest to proclaim his innocence. Today we are looking at chapter 30, which is his lament to God. In chapter 29, he looked to the past. In chapter 30, he speaks of the present. So first, he laments where he is right now compared to back then because his dignity was stripped from him. He went from being an honored counselor and judge full of wisdom to a byword among fools. Secondly, God was not answering his cry for help. He went from being a friend of God to experiencing the cruelty, and I put that in quotes, the cruelty of God. And thirdly, there is no justice for him. He went from being a man of justice to finding no justice and no glory. And this is what it sounds like to be under God's judgment. This ought to remind us of the fall. So first, his dignity was stripped and he went from being an honored counselor to a byword. He says, there was a time when young men saw me and listened to me and they waited and kept silent for my counsel. But now, we'll hear something to this effect a few times throughout this chapter. Before, I was living in a heaven on earth, but now I'm in a living hell. Before, my future looked hopeful, but now there is no hope. Before, I was taken seriously, but now, he says, I'm a laughingstock. They laugh at me. Now, who's they? Well, here he describes them as the younger generation. Uh, Much like when I was growing up back then, there was a certain level of respect that was expected from younger people. If I ever disrespected an elder, you better believe that God's judgment would have come to me in the form of my parents. You can hear the older generation today saying, but now there is no respect and there is this sense of entitlement. We can relate to this because Job describes not only how he is under God's judgment, but how all of society around him is under God's judgment. And it shows up in the young men who laughed at him, 
who mocked him. And to demonstrate how bad it was for Job, he begins to describe what kind of young men they were. Because if these were reputable men, men of high esteem, men at the top, men of honor, and they laughed at me, and they disrespected me, it would be one thing. But they weren't. So he describes their family background, their work ethic, their reputation, and their character. He describes their family background. He says he wouldn't even hire their fathers to watch over sheepdogs. And sheepdogs weren't the most lovable creatures. Dogs in general were considered despicable. To be called a dog was a great insult. Uh, The Jews would later call the Gentiles dogs. And to watch over sheepdogs was of the lowest form of employment. Secondly, he describes their work ethic. Well, they have none. He calls them sluggish and lazy. He says they were useless. He asks, what could I gain from the strength of their hands? Men whose vigor is gone. They had no energy and no stamina. They weren't worth hiring even for the lowest of jobs because they would probably call out sick more than they would show up for work. They had no motivation to lift a finger to help themselves, never mind others. So they became malnourished because they were too lazy to look for food. Just as Proverbs 19.15 says, an idle person will suffer hunger. And when they suffered hunger, they just resorted to chewing on dry ground by night in waste and desolation. Even though they are able-bodied, they won't work for a decent meal, so instead they eat Plants, leaves of bushes, and the roots of the broom tree, which is a desert shrub that has a bitter taste. Thirdly, he describes their reputation and character. They are known for being outcasts. They're driven out from society, and you wouldn't want them around your family or your hometown. They are chased away, and the people shout after them as after a thief. So they are reduced to living in the gullies, or these are man-made channels where water rushes through. We often see these built under bridges. You'll find them living in caves. You'll find them in the wild, among the bushes, as they bray like donkeys, and they huddle together under nettles. These are plants with jagged leaves that sting. For an urban equivalent... They were gathered together in alleys around a fire in a drum barrel. They are a senseless and a nameless brood. No wonder they have been driven out from human civilization. It sounds like Job is being a little harsh here. It sounds like he may be being a bit self-righteous. Some have commented that he is turning on those whom he swore to serve. That he is turning on the poor. But that is not at all what he is doing. See, through the mainstream channels of our society, we have been conditioned to think that poor people are always the good guys and that rich people are always the bad guys. And if you speak out against the poor, then you must be one of the bad guys. Folks, that's politics. But the truth is there are wicked people of all classes, creeds, colors, and races. And here, Job is identifying 
the morally wicked poor, not the virtuous poor, not the poor who turn to God by faith. These are those who are poor by their own wicked deeds. They were never reliable and never sought opportunities to work. We see this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul calls the Thessalonians to conduct discipline on someone who is not willing to work. Because to be poor in the Bible is not always a good thing. We read in Proverbs, the poverty of the poor is their ruin. And whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. So to come to the conclusion that Job was attacking the poor he once served is missing the point altogether. Job is saying, my condition right now is so bad that even the lowest of the low of society laugh at me. Even the wicked mock me. He should be at the top when it comes to character. He says, I used to be respected as a judge over the people, but now I have become their song of mockery. I am considered a curse and a byword. They abhor me and they stay far from me. He says, they do not hesitate to spit at the sight of me. There's no restraint in my presence. He says that the rabble rise on his right hand in order to push away his feet. Uh, That's another way of saying to trip him up, to destroy him. To break up his path. To promote his calamity and his fall. And they do all this by themselves. They crash through the walls that protect him as in a siege. And the terrors, that is the terrors of death that he has spoken of throughout this book. These terrors of death are turned upon him. And he is stripped of his dignity. His honor blows away in the wind and his prosperity passes away like a cloud and he loses his status that he once had. Our Lord Jesus Christ went through a similar and yet worse persecution from the hands of wicked men as his dignity was stripped on the cross. He was treated and made out to be less than human. They mocked and reviled him. They spit at him. And look at where Job places the responsibility of all that has happened to him. Back in verse 11, he said, Because God has loosed my cord and humbled me. This cord is probably speaking of the cord of a bow. The bow is symbolic of someone's strength. So God has broken his strength and it was all to humble him. God has done this to Job. And it was God who foreordained Christ, his son, to die on the cross all according to his plan. The just judge of the world was under the judgment of God for sinners who deserve to be in his place. He faced the terrors of death and became an outcast for the outcasts of heaven, for the outcasts of the new Jerusalem, for the wicked. But I think Job has the character of God a little mistaken. Now it is true that according to God's foreknowledge, he has planned all that we go through and he will use some of the difficulties in our lives to humble us or to make us more like his son. He will use trial 
temptation, testing, and even persecution for his own purposes. How many stories have we heard of how someone's struggles shaped their ministry? We think of Paul. Suffering shaped his ministry and he considered it that he was suffering with Christ. He suffered the loss of all things that he may know the power of Christ's resurrection, becoming like him in his death. The same treatment that Christ experienced, we are also to expect at some level, since we are not greater than our master. Uh, Just think of the way things are going right now in our society. Christians are becoming a byword. To many, we are considered a cursed people. We are no longer in a favored position in society. How many of our relationships are fractured because we bear the name of the Savior? How many people proudly revile Christ and His church without shame? Although Job now turns to God, he takes it a step further. And he not only places the responsibility on God, but he questions God's character and goodness. So secondly, he laments that God is not answering his cry for help. And that he went from being a friend of God to experiencing the cruelty of God. He says, since God has loosed my cord, my dignity was removed. And now my soul, that is my innermost being, is poured out within me. I am dried out inside. There is nothing left. This happens from time to time in the life of the Christian. It's not always happy clappy. And your joy will at times feel as if it has been temporarily removed for whatever reason. He speaks of his days of affliction and how they have taken hold of him. He suffered from physical affliction and to him he suffered humiliation, mercilessness, and violence from the hand of God and he knew where all this would eventually lead. In his physical affliction he says, the night racks my bones and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. He suffers humiliation as his garments or clothing were so disfigured that he felt like he was being choked by his own shirt. And it was God who cast him into the slippery swamps of death as he has become like dust and ashes. And he now turns to God and he accuses him of mercilessness in that he was not answering his cry for help. He stands there praying. Standing is a posture of urgency and seriousness. He stands there praying, but he says that the Lord just looks at him. And all he gets in response is a deafening silence. So he says, you have turned cruel to me. With the might of your hand, you persecute me. He also accuses him of violence. He says... He throws him around like he was in a tornado. He lifts him up on the wind and he makes him ride on it, 
Things are going good for him in life, only to toss him around in the roar of the storm. The ironic thing is, is that later the Lord will visit him in a whirlwind, in a storm. Now Job knew where all this persecution from the hand of God would eventually lead. He thinks that God's intention is to eventually kill him. He says that he knew that the Lord would bring him to his death, as death is the house appointed for all the living. He didn't see any other way out of this. That was God's plan for Job, of course, not knowing what will happen later in chapter 42. Now we know that Job has been inconsistent. And one thing that Job failed to do was apply the knowledge of God's wisdom that he spoke of back in chapters 26 and 28. And how God's majesty is unsearchable and that he is a source of all wisdom. That should have been a comfort to Job rather than a torment to him. It should have led him to patiently wait for God. But instead he concluded that God has not answered his cry for help. Here he is questioning God's power and wisdom. But how often are we in the same position? How often do we question whether or not God has a good plan for us? How often do we conclude, well, God never answers my prayers. So he must not hear my prayers. As I've said before, God hears every prayer of his children. And he answers every prayer. But sometimes the answer is no. Or it's just hold on a minute. Wait. The prime example. How long did it take the Lord to answer Israel's cries when they were in bondage? 400 years. So in this sense, Job was wrong in saying that he knew God's plan for him. God would later rebuke and restore Job and give him a long and happy life. He didn't know this for certain. But also, what Job was going through foreshadows an innocent man whom the Lord will lead to death. One who went through intense physical affliction, humiliation, mercilessness. And it was the definite plan of God that this man be led to death so that many would be showed mercy. And he had to experience unanswered prayer until all was accomplished. Do you realize that? That in order to accomplish our redemption, Jesus had to endure the silence of God. In fact, God had to say no to Jesus' prayer when he prayed for God to remove the cup of suffering from him. Redemption was accomplished through unanswered prayer. God did not answer his prayer that he be glorified with him in the glory that they once shared until after Jesus died and remained three days in the grave 
And 40 days after he was raised. Not until all his work was accomplished. So for the Christian, there are times that God does not answer our prayers. Or at least the answer we would expect. Until he accomplishes his will in and through us. God will say no to our prayers. God will say, wait. He doesn't always answer prayer right away. Sometimes he will be silent. But it doesn't mean he doesn't hear, nor does it mean he doesn't care. We often test someone's faithfulness by how often God answers their prayers as if it was some kind of magic or as if it was up to the person praying. James says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, but he doesn't give us a timeline. He doesn't tell us when it will work. God sets the terms of when and how he will answer our prayers. God sets the terms of when he will answer Job's cries. He doesn't know this yet, but God will answer his cry and he will restore him to a greater reward. But thirdly, at this moment, Job has sought for justice and he has found none. And for him, this was unthinkable because he himself was a man of justice. And in his thinking, rightly so, It is expected that someone who is in a heap of ruins, someone who is caught under an avalanche of suffering, that he would stretch out his hand and cry for help. This is a natural reaction to suffering. So Job cried for help. Wouldn't you save this person if you saw him lying stuck under a pile of rocks? Wouldn't you try to reach out and help this person get out? Job is feeling hurt and abandoned by God. He is accusing God of not caring. Why? Because he lived his own life helping others. He wept with those who wept. Did I not weep for him whose day was hard? Was not my soul grieved for the needy? He showed pity and sympathy on those who were suffering. So this is what he expected in return. But it never came. Instead, when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. No justice, no light, only darkness. It's easy to think this way, especially since we live in a world that is full of darkness. Now, what Job is missing here is that God himself was to be his light. But how easy it is for all of us to fall into a place of darkness for a time. Now imagine those without God. Imagine those without hope in the world. Would we have the heart to help them? To rescue them? To lend them a hand and share the gospel of Christ? He goes on to describe his pain. He was going through emotional pain. His inward parts were in turmoil and never still. Sounds like the symptoms of intense anxiety and depression. 
as he is afflicted, his life is dark. So he tries to reach out to someone. He says he stood up in the assembly. This is like a church. And he cried for help. I wonder if anyone listened. Here he says he's all alone. He says, I am a brother of jackals, wild dogs, that you hear howling at night. We hear this around here, don't we? And a companion of ostriches who hide their heads in the ground. No hope in the world and no one to turn to. And not only is he dying on the inside, he is also falling apart on the outside. As his skin turns black and falls from him. And his bones burn with heat. And his entire life, the song of his life that plays with the lyre is reduced to mourning. And his pipe reduced to the voice of those who weep. Doesn't this sound like someone who is under the judgment of God? Doesn't this sound like the judgment that Jesus himself experienced? We can understand why Isaiah says of him, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Jesus was mocked, falsely accused, unfairly condemned, and unlike Job, he was without sin. He was stripped of his dignity by unjust and wicked men and cut off from Jewish society as they crucified him outside the gates of Jerusalem. But it says, in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. There was a purpose that God had to fulfill and it was our redemption. He prayed to his father with loud cries and tears as it says in Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7. But when you read the rest, it says he prayed to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Now, just because he was heard, it doesn't mean his cries were answered right away. Jesus had to go through suffering and death before he would receive an answer to prayer. He had to go through injustice. Jesus was the most just man to ever live and he suffered the worst injustice in human history. And it was all part of God's plan. And believe me, the reward was far greater than anyone could ever imagine. The reward was glory as he sat down at the right hand of his father where he now lives to intercede for us. Although he was a son, that is, the perfect son of God, this is speaking of his divine nature, he learned obedience as a man through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Unfortunately, today, many in the church, and I'm not talking about this specific church, I'm Speaking about the church broadly. 
many in the church are marked by impatience. Many are marked by a sense of entitlement. We often confuse the kingdoms of this world with the kingdom of God. We have woke extremism that has infiltrated the church from both sides of the aisle, both liberal and conservative. And they both come with a sense of urgency, anxiety, and alarm. They seek justice, but on their own terms and in their own time. Many do not see the necessity that our prayers go unanswered for a time. Many do not see the reason why God would say no to us. I've heard someone teach, uh, they're talking about when uh, the rapture will happen and how he cannot see how God would allow the church to go through the great tribulation. My only response to that was like, are you kidding me? Jesus said we are not greater than the master. We don't see the reason why. Our Lord would tell us to wait. I think that's the point. Maybe, just maybe, the Lord is teaching us to be patient. Because all things will be fulfilled in His time and on His terms. In our current dilemma in this world, our prayers may go unanswered. Our dignity may be stripped from us. But it is so that God would achieve his will in this world and for his own glory. Now this does not mean we retreat. This does not mean we no longer pray or seek justice in the places that God has placed us in. But it is to recognize that God is for us. And if he is for us, who can be against us? Beloved, rest. In his sovereign care. He hears your cries. Don't stop crying out to him. Whatever the reasons are. God has us exactly where he wants us. For a reason. We may not receive all the answers on this side of heaven. But once we enter heaven. I don't think we're going to care. To look back and wonder why. In Christ. God has not. And cannot abandon us. He is always with us. He is bound to us by way of his new covenant in Christ. He cannot take back what he has promised. And he cannot take back what he has already accomplished in Christ. The Reverend R. Scott Clark was asked this question. And I'm sure we've all been asked this question before. He was asked, when were you saved? And he responded, I was saved 2,000 plus years ago when all my sin was nailed to a cross. Beloved, remember that when all your light has turned to darkness, when you are overwhelmed with affliction, when you are agonizing over your own life in your own situation, when your soul is Poured out and grieved. God is with you. And whatever it is you're going through. And we must recognize. That it may be necessary. That God does not answer our cry. 
because he will use that for a greater purpose beyond your understanding, beyond what you see right now, even though it is not yet. Amen.